Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 81. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. On today's show, we are tackling all things composting. There are an awful lot of misconceptions about composting out there. I've heard it said that composting is smelly. It's not, if you're doing it right, or that it's dirty. It's not, if you have the right tools. I've also heard that composting requires bugs. Now, this one may be true. My compost pile does have flies, but personally, I have a very low tolerance for bugs, and the flies don't bother even me, so bugs should not be a deterrent. We're getting into all these misconceptions today, as well as the exact questions you've written to me. Because the truth of the matter is that composting is just as easy as recycling. Now, recycling is easy, right? You separate your plastics and your cans from your trash without a second's thought. It's second nature. The same goes for composting. Because composting at its most fundamental state is simply a third sort of your trash. If you are listening right now and are thinking to yourself, well, I don't want humus, I don't want the end product, I don't garden, and I have a garbage disposal to get rid of my food waste, so why on earth would I need to compost? Know that garbage disposals are not 
a solution to the waste problem. And that's because all that food that's going into your garbage disposal and your neighbor's garbage disposals puts excess strain on wastewater treatment centers. All the food solids that arrive at the treatment center then need to be filtered out. And where do you think all those food waste solids go? They are just going straight to the landfill. So again, your garbage disposal is not the solution. Reducing waste is the solution, and as a backup, it's all about composting. Now, you heard me mention the importance of reducing household waste in episode 78. And by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, you should totally go back and listen to it. It's a nice compliment to this one. So if you're getting serious about cutting back on the number of garbage bags you send to the landfill each week, composting is a must. My guest today is Heather Kaufman. Heather is a co-founder of Full Circle Home. Full Circle creates beautiful home care products that are also eco-friendly for everyday families. Heather is on the show today to answer your most pressing composting questions. And a quick note before we dive in, Full Circle has sponsored this episode. This week's show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 081. That's M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 081. Enjoy the interview. Heather, thank you so much for joining me. I am so thrilled to have a composting expert on the show because I get an awful lot of questions about composting from my listeners. We'll get there. First, how are you and what's new? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I love talking about composting, as a lot of my friends will tell you. Um, and I'm always excited when people ask about it because it's really easy. And I think you can get a lot of people excited about doing it and, and the impact that they can make. Your day job isn't really so much to do with composting, but it does have an awful lot to do with eco-friendly living. Before we even jump into composting and dirt and food scraps, tell us about yourself and how you made eco-friendly living your job. Yeah, so I am a co-founder and the chief innovation officer of a company called Full Circle Brands. We started the brand Full Circle about 10 years ago with some friends of mine uh, we were living in Shanghai at the time, and we all came from different backgrounds, from manufacturing to product design, sales and marketing. And it was just kind of one of those simple conversations about products in the market and you know, being a green consumer and a label reader and wanting to know more about the products that I'm buying, you know, just kind of with this like simple idea of what products could be doing, what they could be. You know, we didn't necessarily start our company with this like grand vision for the world, but really what we thought was a simple idea. And that's that making really small changes in your life every day could actually have a huge impact to the future of our environment. So we kind of looked at it through the lens of we wanted to change the way that products are made so that people could start thinking differently about the products that they buy. And at the time, we saw a huge gap in consumers' knowledge of where their products come from and where they go when they're done. And thankfully, over the last 10 years, consumers are really demanding more transparency from companies and that gap's closing. But when we started, we started in cleaning tools because it's the simple thing that everyone does at some point in your life, right? You might not be an avid cleaner, but you're going to wash a dish at some point. And so we thought this category had 
you know, a lot of potential to really sort of scale up and be very impactful on the environment. And so full circle, the brand, um, we create home care goods is what we call it. And so we're in cleaning tools, composting, organization, all with the aim of helping you care for your home, but also the one that we all share together, the planet. Well, I know that you live your values at home and are an avid composter. I have a lot of questions from listeners that I'm going to ask you in a little bit. But first, why do you think composting at home is so important? Composting is important because it's first, it's such an easy change that you can make in your life and it can be hugely impactful. Even if you do what I call kind of composting light, you're still diverting so much waste from the landfill. In the U.S., actually 20% of what goes into landfills is just food. And as we know, landfills produce greenhouse gases like CO2 and methane. And so if everyone composted, we'd actually reduce our waste by 20% in landfills. And then for people at home that have gardens, it eliminates the need for synthetic fertilizers. It helps you know, your plants grow better. It helps them retain water. Um, so you're actually using less water. So in areas where you know, that is a concern, composting even helps with that. Have you experienced any benefits from composting personally that have surprised you? Yeah, it was um, kind of one of the things that I was sort of surprised was this like fringe benefit of my garbage not smelling anymore. Composting has a lot of benefits, but one of the sort of fringe benefits that I've noticed has been a reduction of odors in my kitchen. So I know it seems counterintuitive because a lot of people associate odors with composting, but when you don't have any food waste going into your regular trash bin, not only does it not fill up as fast, but you don't have any food in there to smell. And so all of my food waste is going into a bin that's made for collecting organic scraps and keeps those odors contained. Hmm. I'd love to just sneak in here with a benefit that I've found since composting. And that is in my town, we pay for private companies to come and pick up our garbage. Since getting halfway decent at composting, we no longer have to pay for that garbage truck to come to our house every Friday, every week. We've now gone to every other week, which saves a really good chunk of change over the course of a year. So yeah, there are benefits that may be surprising to some people. And for me, it was that little extra money uh, at the end of the month that I'm not spending on something that nobody really wants to spend money on, which is trash pickup. You mentioned composting light earlier, and I just need to know what what on earth is that? <laughs> so... When I first uh, moved from the city up to the suburbs, um, I really wanted to get started with composting, but I have a very small yard and my neighbors are very close to me. And so the idea of having this huge pile that I need to get out there with a pitchfork and turn and deal with you know animals um, seemed really intimidating. So I bought a tumbler and I would keep my fresh air compost collector on my counter. And I just threw away the very simple things that I had like a understanding were compostable. So like eggshells, fruit and veggie scraps with the stickers removed, flower trimmings, coffee grounds. So I didn't really have to do a ton of research on is this or is this not compostable? I just wanted to get started and make make that like a, a routine in our lives. So I just started with some very basic things and I would put all of the scraps, including my fresh air bag into the tumbler. And it's it's kind of dummy proof because there's two doors. One has a plus sign, one has a minus sign. So you know which side you're adding it to. And then you just turn it. 
Um, so even if you go away on vacation or you live in an area where lots of animals around, it's all contained. You know, you can leave it over the winter. Nothing's bad, bad is going to happen to it. So it's kind of a great entry into home composting um, because it's very simple and basic. And so that's kind of what I call composting light. Um, when you really get into it and you start looking at adding even more things to the compost um, to try and divert even more waste or making sure that your compost, um, they call it cooking when you're making compost, uh, cooks at a faster rate and a more even rate, that's when things can start to get a little bit more technical, but it also gets really interesting. So it's kind of nice to just start like ground floor with a few basic things in a system that's easy to use and then move on from there. It sounds like composting light is a good first step to get your feet wet, so to speak. But you mentioned two products that I really would love for you to explain in more detail. The first one is the tumbler. And specifically, I'm wondering how big is it and does it take up a lot of space? And the second one you mentioned was, I believe, a fresh air bag. What does that do? So the compost process starts in your kitchen. So when you have, you're cutting up fruits and veggie scraps and you've got your eggshells and your, you know, maybe egg cartons, you need somewhere to collect them. So we have a, Full Circle makes a few products to do this. We have a fresh air compost collector that's about 1.5 gallons and it sits on your counter and that's just the collection. Um, We've got some other products that like our scrap sacks, which are basically just lined bags um, that are fully compostable themselves and other scrap collectors. And so that's just the collection. You're not actually ever making compost on your kitchen counter. You're just collecting the scraps. When that is full, you would then take it outside to your pile or if your city has a pickup or a drop-off or in my case, to my tumbler. So tumbler um, is just one method of outdoor composting, and it sits out, right outside my house, outside my kitchen door, and it's a big bin, maybe about 15 to 20 gallons. They make them even bigger, 30, 50 gallons um, on a stand, and it's broken up into two sides. And so one side is where you're actively adding your scraps. So every day you're adding more and more and more. And when you add your scraps in, you then turn the tumbler. So that's where the name comes from. It tumbles the scraps around. And the way that composting works is that it generates heat and microorganisms. And the microorganisms grow inside of there. And that's what sort of eats up the organic scraps and generates the compost. The compost is actually called humus. Some people call it black gold. It basically looks like soil. It's like a very black, rich looking soil. And so once you've filled up one side, you need to let that cook and not add any more to it. So then you switch your door plus and minus and that side sort of closed and cooking. And the other side is where you start adding your scraps to it. When you're adding your food scraps, one of the things that you want to consider is your your ratios. So it can get very technical. You need carbon and nitrogen. But really, some people just look at it as browns and greens. So all of your greens, your nitrogen, is going to be your food and your eggshells and maybe even some green lawn waste. 
your browns are going to be things like your egg cartons, leaves that have fallen, anything dry. We use the rolls inside of toilet paper. We compost those, dirty tissues even. And so you want to keep a balance in there. You can get very technical, but you can't really go wrong here. Um, You just want to keep it kind of like a a well-wrung out towel. So a little bit moist, but not super, super wet. And that's when things are going to start cooking. If you notice it's not, you might need to add a little bit more brown if it's too wet or a little bit more green if it's too dry. And another thing that helps is when you're putting your food scraps in to try and chop them up all similar size. So then they'll break down around the same rate. The tumbler is well known as kind of the symbol of composting, but I actually don't have a tumbler. I just have a big black bin in my yard. And so I'm wondering what are the benefits to a tumbler that I'm missing with my simple black bin? Yeah. So I think that, you know, opening it up and and turning it with a a shovel, maybe could, you know, not that the tumbler is super easy to flip around, but maybe could be seen um, as a little bit more work. Also, if you're consistently adding scraps every single day, um, I would say perhaps the pile doesn't get its time to cook fully. So you're always kind of pulling compost out, but then sorting out the occasional banana peel or things that have not fully broken down. What I like about the tumbler And I've not used your bin, but what I like about the tumbler is that one side gets to fully do its work undisturbed because the heat is a pretty important part of it. Um, And so when you're sort of adding more scraps, you're sort of starting the clock over again in a way. Um, So I like that you can close it off and and let it do its work. How much time on average, of course, do you think that you spend composting each week? Well, it's really part of our routine. So I would say it doesn't take any more time than, say, recycling. We always have either a scrap sack or a bin living right on our countertop. So if we're just quickly chopping up an apple, the core goes in. If we're cooking dinner, it's right there. So as far as the collection part of it, really doesn't take any additional time than it would to walk over to the trash bin and throw those things away. Um, also, with our tumbler right outside our door, it's just another bin. So we're taking the trash out or taking the recycling out. We're also taking the compost out. Recently, my town did implement municipal composting. And so rather than just sort of the, the basic organic waste at home, um, where you normally cannot add things like um, meat, dairy, you know, cooked foods with oils or fats in them, uh, I can now add it to that bin. And it's a five-minute drive to go drop that off. That's interesting. So you can add literally any food to that municipal compost? Yeah. So uh, industrial composting reaches much higher temperatures. There's all different kinds of industrial composting. So you would need to check with your local facility because I know that they do have different rules. Um, And usually when a municipality takes on industrial composting, they have literature and all the materials that you need to get started, whether it's the bins or it's just a list of what you can and cannot compost. But mine takes bones and meat and dairy and everything. Earlier, you were talking about nitrogen and adding the right brown matter. And I can imagine that for some listeners listening who really this is their first introduction to composting, they might have started to feel their heartbeat quicken and get a little nervous. I asked you how much time you spend composting, but I'm wondering how much of an added burden is composting on your mental plate? Does it take a lot of mental space to compost properly? 
No, I, I mean, I know about these things just from researching them and interest. But honestly, when I started, I was just throwing all of my food in there. When it wasn't cooking as fast as I wanted it to, or it kind of looked really like wet and matted down, then I was kind of like, what's going on? And started doing some research here. These ratios are really only important, you know, when you're talking about the rate at which you're making compost. Um, If you just throw just your food scraps in and don't really have a great, you know, brown ratio, or maybe you only have, you know, leaves in the fall and you add a bunch in or you keep some, but then you're not adding a ton of brown over the summer. It just really affects the the rate at which you're going to generate your compost. Some people aren't necessarily even so concerned with putting compost in their garden. It's really just about diverting food waste from the landfill. So you're still going to achieve that goal, even if you don't have this you know, ideal ratio of carbon and nitrogen, you can still get started with that. And then you kind of get the feel for it. You kind of just start to look at it and say, this looks good or this doesn't look good. Yeah, I love that answer. And it made me think about any new hobby that one person might undertake, right? Like if you think of composting as a new hobby, there's going to be a learning curve. And if something doesn't look right, you're going to go to Google to find out a solution. Just like if you introduce a new house plant to your living room and its leaves are yellowing, you're going to go to Google and you're going to get a lot more technical information about how to spruce up your plant. Same with sprucing up your composting. Bare bones minimum All it really is, is throwing your fruit, vegetable scraps, eggshells into it and turning it once in a while or using a shovel and flipping it in my case. I would love to pivot and ask you verbatim the questions I've received from my listeners all about composting. I've saved a little document on my computer and every time one comes in, I just copy paste it right there. I feel like you're the perfect person to ask if that's okay with you. Sure. All right. The first one you kind of already touched on, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. Can you compost meat and dairy in a backyard household composting bin? So technically it will compost. There a lot of, if you look it up on sites, a lot of sites will say you cannot compost it. It will compost, but it's not recommended in a home environment because meat breaking down smells Um, It will attract maggots and it will attract other pests and animals to your pile that you don't want. Also, it takes longer to break down, so it's going to slow down the rate of the compost in your binner pile. It may be accepted at a local municipal facility, but in a backyard compost pile, I would say stay away from any kind of cooked foods, oils, fats, anything that's not really raw. There are some some methods, like there's Bokashi that says that you can put meat and dairy in there, but that's not a backyard pile, so it's a little bit different. Got it. Next question is, what is vermiculture and who should be composting with worms? <laughs> Anyone who likes worms in their house. No, just kidding. Um, so vermicomposting, basically uh, you keep worms in a, in a bin and you have to kind of create a nice little environment for them and they eat your organic scraps and the waste that they create is your compost. I've done vermicomposting actually when I lived in Shanghai in my apartment. Um, I had a really large storage bin with a lid on it. And I created a bed of, you know, kind of moist newspaper for them at the bottom. 
And I would just add scraps to one side of the bin and they would get to work eating those. And when those were really broken down, I would start adding scraps to the other side of the bin and they would move to the other side while the one side broke down. There's much more sophisticated systems out there which keep the worms completely covered where you could keep it in your house, where they kind of the worms go up and down in, in different tiers and eat the scraps. So you kind of fill up one tray until it's full and then you switch the trays and fill up the second one. The thing with the vermicomposting is that um, the ratios do become more important now. So your greens versus your browns because you have to keep the worms alive and you have to keep them in a certain environment. So anytime you add food scraps, you do need to add something like shredded newspaper to it. I personally would not prefer to have worms in my home. So who should be vermicomposting? Vermicomposting is cool. You can even do it in an apartment because you can have your collection and your actual composting compost being produced in the bin right there without having to have any kind of outdoor setup. There's some really nice looking bins out there that keep the worms completely covered. You don't even see them you know, until you're adding your food scraps in. Uh, And so they could work really nicely for apartment composting. I'm glad you mentioned apartment and small space composting, because I think it is a misconception that many people in apartments have that they can't compost because they don't have a backyard. So next question is, how do you compost in an apartment or a small living space? Great question. Actually, our fresh air compost bin and our scrap happy freezer bin were designed in a New York City apartment. I tried every bin on the market and with all the you know little creatures that you share your apartments with in New York City, um, I couldn't find a solution that worked. Most of the bins are sealed containers with a lid and putting food scraps in there causes them to basically just rot faster and that's when you get the odor and the fruit flies. So we developed the fresh air compost bin, which incorporates air into the system so that your food scraps don't break down so fast. Because remember, you're not creating compost on your counter yet. You're just collecting them. So it's actually keeping the food fresher longer until you're going to compost. And then the second one we developed was the Scrap Happy Freezer Bin. Uh, So it was designed to fit on your freezer door and you can put your scraps in your freezer uh, so they're not breaking down at all, even if, you know, go live on, leave on vacation. Um, and at that time, I was dropping off at my local farmer's market. So a lot of cities offer collections at farmer's market. So you could do your collection in your apartment and then just drop off. Some other systems that might work are a worm bin or a bakashi or an electric composter. There's electric ones that you add to it and it will generate the compost right there for your houseplants. But all of those systems do need to be maintained. Uh, You do need to keep the environment right. And so if you go on vacation for extended periods of time, they might not work for you. You've mentioned Bokashi twice now. So I need to know, what is it? (laughs) Truth be told, I've never actually done it myself. Um, I've played around with it, but it's essentially a bucket with a lid and a starter. So like a fermenter. So I imagine you would have more than one and you add to one until it's full, you add the fermenter and then you seal it off and you let it do its work. And then you would add to your your second bucket. And the idea is that the fermenter gets to work, it generates the heat and the entire bucket turns into compost. With the fermenter, which is essentially like a powder that they add to it, uh, they say that it works a bit faster than 
other methods of composting. But again, I've not actually done this in my home myself. Got it. Thank you. Next question. Can you compost in the winter? Sure. Um, I keep adding to my tumbler all winter. The way that composting works is that heat is generated. And even in a home compost environment, it can get up to 150 degrees in there. So it takes a while to cool off in the winter. During the winter, my compost can freeze, but and I can keep adding until it's full. Once it's frozen, it's fairly immune to any pests. So you can either continue to store your scraps in the freezer. If you don't have room, you can keep them in a separate bin outside frozen until it's time to start cooking them again. So I just want to clarify, when your existing matter freezes, you don't continue adding? No. So I in the winter, so my the matter in the tumbler might freeze, but I'll just keep adding to it until it's completely full and I can't add to it anymore. Then I might put it in a separate bin or a bucket that's sealed outside and that will also freeze. So it remains fairly immune to any pests or animals. And then once it gets cooking again, sometimes I'll um, add a little bit of soil in there to get it going and it'll start, it generally, once it thaws in the spring, it gets cooking again pretty quickly. My general rule of thumb for the winter here in Massachusetts is if I can still travel to the bin, as in if there's not too much snow on the ground, and if I can still open the top to the bin, as in it's not frozen shut, I'm still putting my scraps in. There you go. That's the very unofficial rules that I follow in my home. My final question from a listener for you is, are there any unconventional household items or items that you wouldn't at first glance think to compost that can be composted? Yeah. So there's some pretty funny ones out there, Um, like hair. So whether it's pet hair or hair from your shower drain or beard trimmings in the sink, those are all compostable. Um, Used tissues I mentioned earlier. So I was going nuts with all the tissues my kids were going through in the winter, but it turns out that dirty tissues can be tossed right into the bin. Dryer lint is another one um, we generate quite a bit of is compostable. And junk mail, as long as it's not glossy paper or doesn't have any plastic or stickers, um, just regular paper is compostable. And then anyone that has pets that eat a vegetarian diet, so birds, hamsters, rabbits, their cage bedding and their droppings are compostable, but no bio waste from any animals that would eat meat, so dogs, cats, or anything like that. Oh, I love it. You gave me some really good ideas there. Thank you. (laughs) The hair is a particularly interesting one. (laughs) Yeah, that's been, I'm using an old yogurt container to to collect hair. Some some things have been harder for my family to get on board with than others, but, uh, you know, we just keep adding to the list of things that we can add to the compost. You mentioned a few products that Full Circle offers, specifically geared toward home composting. But I was wondering, which ones are your favorite? I may, I actually use all of them. And I know that that sounds so promotional, but my uh, I keep my, my scrap happy. I have a double sink. So it comes with this great little hook. So you can hook it over a drawer. I keep it hooked over the sink. And during the day when we're cutting fruits and veggies for the kids, stuff just goes in there, making coffee, everything goes in there so that I only really have to pull out my larger bin under the sink once per day. When we're cooking dinner, and I know there's going to be a lot of scraps that are too much for 
the little scrap collector, I have my fresh air bin right there that I use. And our newest product is called the Scrap Sack. They are actually basically just recycled craft bags, but they're lined with a vegetable-based coating so they don't leak. So it's just like a brown paper bag on your counter. You put all your scraps in, you roll it up, and the whole thing can go right in the compost pile. Oh, wow. That's that's huge because for me, I drink two cups of coffee every day in my French press, and I have all these coffee grounds that need to be composted. So to put them in a bag, I can imagine would save such a mess because for me right now, I'm just putting them in my ho-hum transport container, but it's almost impossible to get wet grounds out of that <laughs> compost container. So I'm totally going to check out the scrap sack just to save me those five minutes of cleaning out those tiny grounds. Where can listeners find Full Circle and Full Circle products online? So you can come to our website. It's fullcirclehome.com. And you can see our full assortment there. And there's some blog posts on composting. And you can reach out to us with any questions that you have. I'm always happy to answer composting questions or any questions on green living, actually. Um, We're also available on Amazon and uh, in grocery stores. Our website's probably the best place to get the full assortment of products. I will absolutely link to your website and the specific products we talked about today. I just want to thank you so much, Heather, for coming on and sharing your composting wisdom. You certainly (laughs) are passionate about composting, I can tell. (laughs) Yeah, it's a funny thing to be passionate about, but I sure am. Thanks for the opportunity. I so hope you enjoyed my interview with Heather Kaufman of Full Circle Home. I've linked to Full Circle's website and their product line in the show notes. And before we go, one final tip. If you have been composting your heart out in the kitchen and you feel like it's just second nature, it's no extra work put a second composting transport container in your bathroom. For me, that looks like a lidded container under my bathroom sink. And in it, I am putting all those items that Heather mentioned on the episode today that can be composted and more. Tissues, hair, toilet paper rolls, cotton balls. I even put in Q-tips because the Q-tips I buy have a paper center as opposed to plastic. I have been doing this for a week now, and I am absolutely amazed at all the waste that I am creating that I can compost as opposed to throw away. So that's just a little tip for any of you out there who are ready to take your composting efforts to the next level. This week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 081. And on next week's episode, we are discussing the lessons learned from a whole house declutter. I will see you then. Happy composting and take care.